0: Thing I remember somebody asked me was, if we're gonna ship the clothes from here to India, what is the environmental impact of that? And me being somewhat of an effective altruist, I went, I Googled, I made sure that the impact that we are having is genuine and we're not making it worse from the environmental aspect. So, yes. The tool 4 project is not just focusing on one aspect, both aspects have to be pushed forward because for me both aspects are equally important. I like to call it killing two big and different birds with the one same stone. And, and as the marketing person of the team, I have repeatedly
1: said, killing two birds <laughs> is not the <a laughs> phrase <laughs> we want to use.
0: <laughs> so we've not used that phrase, but that's what I like to say unofficially. So let's let's keep that in mind. That's again a very very tough question. I don't know what's this, bro. Like you can't be asking such questions or like you were, you were it, sorry, and you can't be like either this or this. There has
1: to be a balance. Now I'm going to explain each and every question I say. And people are like, this guy is the most boring podcast we ever had on earth. Hello and welcome to episode 8 of Quarantine. I'm your host Arnav. And for this podcast, the topic is a bit different than usual. It's a very specific topic. And in fact, the topic is which is a non-profit initiative which we started with a few other friends of ours. And it's aimed at solving two problems. Number one. The problem of the lack of recycling of clothes in Singapore and two, the lack of clothes for people, particularly in the winter season in India. To join me today, I have Mayan Goyal, founder and director of WarmGrow and the man who had the idea in the first place himself. Hi, man. How's it going?
0: It's going good. You know, NTU school life, third year academic life is just as bad as it gets. But all, also with like all the other initiatives that I'm part of. So it's been a crazy going. But it's, it's going good otherwise. The challenge is always good. So what
1: all initiators are there? I mean, Wormprobe, which is the one we discussed today, that's one of them. So, Anything else on your plate?
0: So another one I'm involved in is NTU Model UN. So as a director, as a deputy sec gen of uh, academics team. So that's been going on as well. Uh, on the side, we have meetings every now and then. And of course, with the heat of it, it's really started to kick in since our virtual MUN is going in on 21st March. So, if any of you are interested to join as chairs or delegates, it's <laughs> virtual. So, please feel free to join. Start plugging. You're welcome, <laughs> Uh But yes, otherwise, other than that, obviously, warm You know, the first drive just happened on Monday and Tuesday. So, today is Thursday. So, just two days ago, and it's been it's been crazy. The response is overwhelming. You know, we have a lot more clothes than we expected. Still counting because. Uh, some of our friends, you know, who were not able to come down on, on those two days, they've asked us to still open the collection, extended. So, after that we'll be definitely crossing 500 articles of clothing. In fact, today we were asked to collect about 100 blankets. So, it, it's, it's really been overwhelming. It's great to see people, you know, stepping up, searching their homes or clothes um, to donate. Of course, you know, we live in Singapore, so people, I would say, have a lot more Clothes than an average human being around the world.
1: So in fact like this drive was the culmination of I think like six months of just planning and uh, working around this initiative, but going back to the initial story itself. So when you first told me about this idea which you had, and I think in April or May, shortly after we were roommates for like one day, you'd mentioned that, so you originally hail from Isar, your family hails from Isar. Correct. And essentially you regularly go back there, particularly in December for your holidays. And in the winter season, Mm -hmm. there were a few things which you saw like children don't have clothes to wear and families not being able to afford clothes in the first place which is where I believe you mentioned the idea first stemmed from. So what was the initial spark for trying to do something in the region of clothes donation?
0: So as Arnav mentioned, you know, we go back every year, but I've been living in Singapore pretty much my entire life. So for us, throwing away clothes is like a sin. So every year we will bring back whatever clothes we're not using. And you know, just bring it back, donate it to people. Sometimes you go to Gurkha, sometimes you go to Hisar. We go to both normally. So we'll donate clothes either in Gurkha or Hisar. You know, it doesn't matter to us who we're donating as long as these clothes for them would mean a lot for them, they would have for us. So we've been doing this for many, many years. In fact, I remember once I was traveling alone to India. So I had a big suitcase and a small suitcase. And once we went to India, I donated the clothes. My small suitcase could fit into my big, empty suitcase. So it's very normal for us to donate clothes. But, you know, coming to NTU also, I saw a lot of people throwing away clothes, throwing away blankets. It sparked an idea that, you know, why are people throwing away clothes? Yeah. Like, because for me, donating clothes is it's always been the case. And so being in Singapore, you know, I realized that people don't have that many avenues. And I think I'm very fortunate to say that, actually, that we don't have many avenues to donate simply because um, I think that just, our government's done a good job in the sense where they've ensured everyone is clothed well. And I think plus the temperature, obviously, uh, we live in a tropical country, so winters never hit us. Uh, So much so that even the Salvation Army is like, please don't treat us like a dumping ground. And we are probably the only Salvation Army in the world who could say that, and that's really good, I would say. So, you know, last year I joined one of uh, drives done by Robin Hood Army because my uncle is part of it. So we went down to this um, brick factory where a lot of these workers were working, and they lived right beside the brick factory. Made from the bricks, that are the ones that the factory had. So they made their own, basically, basically temporary structure which had no insulation whatsoever. And you know, just seeing little kids running in just tops, you know, not just kids obviously, uh, people of all ages, and to see the smile that brought. Um, that came about on their face was just... Was just I don't know how to explain this. It. Like a, it's a feeling that... like a, You feel so positive, and yet you just feel sad from inside that, you know, why is this the case? like This is a basic human right like to have basic clothing to be protected against the winter, and unfortunately, many, many people in India don't have it. So I think that's the first aspect that started, and again, Wombrook is a two-four project. So the second aspect of it was the environment. So I'm actually very... Like, like for me, the environment is something I'm always passionate about. Like, you know, I try to actively reduce my carbon footprint. Yes, I love driving. Yes, I still eat meat. But you know, I reduce my meat consumption to just chicken and uh, and seafood. And that's not enough. I know it's not enough. But in Singapore, you know, living in Singapore so many years, I know that it's not that easy to get vegetarian food or, or good enough vegetarian food. The jump is too hard. And I again, I for all the vegans and vegetarians out there, I really salute them because I know it's not an easy, easy task to to do that uh, to be a vegetarian vegan throughout in Singapore. So when it comes to clothes, you know many people don't realize clothes and their impact. So let's talk about it generally. Like clothes have one of the lowest recycling rates of all materials in the world. You know, because simply because people don't think about like clothes and their environmental inf- uh, effects, but to make clothes, to produce clothes, to transport clothes and the eventual ending in the landfill. All of these aspects are so heavy on our environment that we don't realize. Um, for example, in the world 7% of the landfill space is taken up by clothes and that's about the same for Singapore. About 20% of wastewater comes from, if I'm not wrong, dying of clothes itself. So the amount of water taken for creating cotton, Um, The transport of materials, again dyeing, the the dyes themselves and the environmental effect is just outrageous, and you don't ever think about it
1: Yeah, like in fact that's not something which I had ever thought about before you mentioned it Like even looking back, like even I grew up in Burga And essentially over there, even in my family, whatever old clothes we had, we donated from time to time But the environmental aspect of it is not something which you ever think about Particularly the problem with fast fashion that's something which you had brought to light where the whole fast fashion industry where so many clothes are made for so like such cheap prices, there's usually a huge negative impact that they have to the environment.
0: Correct. So, I mean, not just fast fashion, like even if you go to any event, they'll give a t-shirt. Look, me and Arnav are literally wearing dry fit t-shirts. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> one he got from my event and one that came from my house back in high school. So we are, we are again, we are part of this problem. And you know, what you can do is not throw away this t-shirt at the end of the day. Uh, but so, people are like, what can we do? Um, recycling is pretty hard for clothes. There are recycling centers. And please look up, none of for recycling centers. But, I would say personally, better than recycling is for sure donating them. Like, I know h H&M, and for example, they take a bag full of clothes. Uh, that you, will, you can give them any, uh, any brand whatsoever, you can give them a bag full of clothes. And they'll give you a 20% discount on your next purchase or something. But what we don't realize is firstly, 20% is way within the profit margin. Um, and secondly, uh, not just that, but uh, the clothes that they collect, in the end, most of them are actually going to end up in the landfill again. So, like what you had intended for them probably is going to happen to them anyways. Specifically
1: and with h H&M, I believe there were some um, cases where any donated clothes, if they liked that, And they'd either put that back in their stores or they'd mimic that design and put it back in their stores. So it wasn't completely ethical on their part.
0: I'm not sure exactly. What I do know is that the clothes you're giving them is it's going to end up in the landfill probably. So recycling is very low because for them also it's like um, not cost efficient. So I understand what they're doing like from that point of view they are business at the end of the day. So yes, but again I think businesses being ethical has become one of the biggest things today. Uh, Apple just released their phone and they decided to not include a uh, charger head and a earpiece piece to reduce the boxing uh, size so they can ship a lot more uh, in that same shipment. So that reduces the carbon uh, footprint. So a lot of companies, you know, I think going green, you can go to almost any big MNC, they'll mention something about going green or being, trying to be more environmental, uh, environmentally sustainable. So it's become one of the biggest things and some of Fast fashion, especially, has not really caught on to the trend. Like also they, actually, they have. Okay. To be fair, they have in the sense that they'll probably seem like, oh, we've done this, we introduced this technology, we're we've, we've trying to do this, we're trying to do that, but it's not enough. And the other things that they're not doing are hidden. So we don't ever realize the impact of it.
1: So, in fact, when you mentioned that companies do a lot of CSR, corporate social responsibility, and they try to come up with a lot of uh, initiatives to go green themselves. How much of that do you think is just a facade, and how committed do you think businesses? Because you mentioned businesses at the end of the day, they have to get their bottom line; they have to earn money. So, do you feel there might be an element with some businesses where it's all just a facade?
0: For sure, I think like you can see it in multiple companies, like even again with Apple not giving the headphone charger head or your um, piece. What they're doing is they're still I think if I'm not wrong maintaining the same price, so they do end up earning a lot more. Uh, from there but the facade they tried to hide it was oh we to be more environmentally sustainable, you know, uh, more shipments in a single uh, more more boxes can be shipped in a single shipment. But you know the other day you know it's a cost saving measure as well. So for sure there's a lot. It's uh, again, I think the entire issue with fighting the environment is definitely business. Because again, the, uh, the president of Brazil, Bolsonaro himself was like, um, you know, we should put ourselves first. So even the Amazon, I consider the largest Sounds heart.
1: familiar to some other world leaders.
0: <laughs> yes, of course, Trump, Trump is on <laughs> another level. But um, oh, no, but Bolsonaro's like he did say that you know we have to care about ourselves first, and that's why we need to continue our building in this forest uh, for our economy. So again, who's going to stop him? Like how can another country be like no, don't do that? But he can be like this is part of my country and I, it's my economy. Are you going to give me money? And almost every other country is going to be like no. So I think that's the biggest challenge with the environment right now, in general.
1: But across the board in many different ways, particularly because of COVID, how big of an impact do you think it has had on the mindset of people to go green? In a sense that they're now less and less focused on caring about the environment and now on an individual level, similar to, say, Brazil, on a country level, just thinking about themselves and what's best for them.
0: This is post-COVID, i yes, specifically.
1: Yeah, as a result of COVID.
0: As a result of COVID, I um... I think there's been a shift both ways like for example you know everybody um, like all countries now because of protection because of health issues they've been asking to keep a mask correct but there's never been a push for using uh, reusable masks rather than the disposable ones people have given reusable masks and people I believe are wearing them not because they're more environmentally friendly as the primary reason but rather because it's cheaper overall than purchasing buying disposable masks and now we have so many disposable masks in the landfills which are also a biohazard not just an environmental issue, but a biohazard as well so, you know, things like this are there overall companies themselves I would say some industries really haven't seen a shift that they have to go green um, I would say, um, for like again, like the automobile industry I would say there's no difference as such but definitely other countries have I been mean, like, you know we need to really push our economy now we have no choice, so I don't know, I, I think we haven't really seen the full extent of where we'll really be going right now. Because I think coal is still running in so many other countries. So let's see how it goes. But I hope that this fight for climate change is really going to continue. And let's see how it goes.
1: Like in fact, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Which is if the biggest barrier for right. every industry or every initiative for every country to go green was the businesses opposing it because their business would be affected. And you're now in a pandemic where economies are crashing, economies have crashed and people are now relying on those businesses to boost their economies. Then surely the fight to go green takes a hit. And in fact, even in wardrobe, like COVID um, caused a few problems in the sense that few considerations which you had to take into account. Number one, which was how do we get the clothes from Singapore to India in the first place? And number two was also like during collection drives what all precaution, can we do it first of all, because back in May it was still very uncertain cases were on the rise over here. And essentially what sort of, what was the entire process?
0: So again, okay, I think one drop, the first thing I remember somebody asked me was, if we are going to ship the clothes from here to uh, India, or going to transport them in uh, any way whatsoever, what is the environmental impact of that? And me being somewhat of an effective altruist uh, in things like this, I went, I googled, I made sure that the impact that we are having is genuine and we're not making it worse from the environmental aspect. So yes, I think we, I calculated about one kg of clothes, take about 23, I forgot the unit, 23 units of uh, greenhouse gases produced and transporting them would take about two. Uh, so we about production and of these clothes, you know, once they get insinuated and put in landfill, again, the impact will be probably over two units. And even in these two units, I think it's very small compared to the 23 units. And I'm ready to spend those two units uh, to give warmth to other people. So that was the kind of like a balance that we needed. Yeah, like it's not
1: just about the environment, but even coming back to the first aspect of the clothes itself. Like the whole problem of lack of textile recycling in Singapore is horrible. Like every year we were calculating this about 160,000 tons, which is around 7% of the landfill, like, all waste dumped in the landfill every year is just textile waste yes. and in India like the direct impact of the winter season on families who don't have any money to afford clothes is also huge like from I think 2000 to 2015 there were on average 781 deaths officially officially classified just due to the cold and that that's first of all that's official like unofficial sources.
0: I would say like like again going for that drive, uh, in in Isar last year, official is a is a very Good is really in, official. is is really in quotation marks because I can tell you that you will never be able to find out really what truly goes on in a country like India.
1: Yeah, and that is in one of the like key motivation factors when you approached me with the idea, which also made me just jump on board like let's do it. But when you approached me on Pro. It was still in my mind for quite a while that I want to give back. And of course, as students, philanthropy is not always as effective as, say, doing something like Wombro. And so, like, when you approached me with the idea, I was just like, let's go for it. And, yeah, like, six months later, we had our first drive this past week on Monday and Tuesday. And the response was huge. And, like, what, what were some of your expectations as the director going into the drive, if you had any?
0: So, I think, firstly, I pulled a few friends in, including yourself. So uh, two of them I worked with before in another charity event that I also started. So I knew their experience, their talent. And I think just their heart themselves, which are in good places. So I think those two were were selected for that reason. And then again, um, you and another friend uh, from SCBE, uh, because I worked with her also and I knew that she's, again, a person with the right heart. And you, of course, as well. So so I think that was the first um, consideration I took when I decided to choose the people and then I try to get them on board with the idea itself that you know it's a 2 fold project it's not just focusing on one aspect both aspects have to be pushed forward because for me both aspects are equally important I like to call it killing two big, uh, t- killing two big and different birds with the one same stone
1: and, and as the marketing person of the team I have repeatedly said Killing
0: two words is not the <laughs> yes. phrase we want to use. <laughs> so we've not used that phrase, but that's what I like to say unofficially. So let's let's keep that in mind. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, but yes, no. I think that was the the first. I think the first one two months itself we we're also focusing on the direction we're gonna take. I remember our meetings being like, you know, do we wanna try this? Do we wanna try that? But, you know, we eventually focused. No, we want to stick to India because for them again, you know, we can donate in other. Uh, places in this region, there are many other countries in this region we can donate. But the main reason to donate in India, in North India specifically, was because they don't need clothes just for modesty purposes, they need it for survivability purposes. And I think just that one sentence was very powerful for all of us. And that's why we stuck in North India, we know transportation is not going to be easy there. You know, transportation, collection, uh, distribution, is not an easy job at the end of the day. Uh, of course, we've got a partner for distribution in India. Uh, Robin and do check them out. They are, I think, really great, the work they do uh, throughout India. So, you know, we talked to them again, because we uh, that's the drive, that, that's the organization I went with last year. Last year, my uncle knew a lot of people, you know, so I was like, it's an easier contact. And again, I, I saw saw the passion in all of them, you know, it's just, just beautiful to see. Yeah, in fact, I was
1: following them on Instagram, like, even right now, they're doing like. A- 30-day mission for Robin and Army volunteers, because they're going in different parts of India and giving like COVID relief items. Like, they're really doing great stuff.
0: Correct. And I think if if the people who know the situation in India, uh, a lot of people who I talk to who are in India say that it's not about when they'll get COVID. Uh, so it's not about if they'll get COVID, but rather when they'll get COVID. So, and despite that, you know, despite the raging cases over there, and of course, the cases that are all officially <laughs> officially uh, uh, mentioned. And we have no idea where it is. Yet, these people have the courage, you know, or just the heart to go down and do all of that. is is amazing. Is something I know I wouldn't personally do. That I'm saying that I'm not the cleanest of hearts. I really wouldn't have done that. So what these people are doing is really hats off to them.
1: So talking about the bomb drop process, right? So let's let's visualize it. Where first of all, you start with the drive, right? So people come with their clothes. They drop off the clothes and at the drive. So, for example, we all had shifts, we all went out. And after the collection, we have, of course, processing and sorting of the clothes. So, we had different categories. You had sort of adult males, adult women, children's clothes, unisex items, so on and so forth. So, then what happens to the clothes once the collection drive is over, which so is the point we're at right now.
0: Correct. So, we tried We tried to pull something uh, different from what Robin and Army did, which is what they did was they went house to house with their friends, you know, like because of the collections you have in India. like, uh, yeah, you can give us this clothes. So they collected all the clothes, and then uh, they had one day where they sorted out together. We tried to do it a bit different. We tried to sort it out on the spot. Uh but yeah, then we realized that we only did uh, children itself. So that will be one that will need some resorting. We'll still need to properly package it up in the most efficient way again. Environmental aspects. You don't want to mm-hmm. like. Don't want to just package anything. Uh, anything and. You know, like randomly with smaller boxes, leave empty spaces, trying to fill it up to the brim as much as possible because again, uh, for shipping it's volume and not mass at the yeah. end of the day. Uh, mass does play a part, uh, science, but <laughs> uh, yes, volume is the key factor here. So we we'll try to pack it up as uh, efficiently as possible, but at the same time, as easily accessible later on. You know, it's easy for the people who are collecting it at the other end to realize, I this is specific for this group. So once you pack it up, you know, the process, we pack it up, we'll have transportation, so we are still finalizing the transportation, we've got a few ideas, few backups, uh, a few um, people we're contacting right now, once we finalize, you know, it's all about contacting these people, so once it's on the fly, you know, constantly talking to Robert Army it's coming, us waiting for them to collect, and once they collect, you know, and the date gets distributed, ask them for some pictures, you know, to show people who follow us here in Singapore, or even worldwide, and Warmbrook did in the end distribute these clothes. Um, so, or not Warmbrook, a Robert Army, which is our partner our organization, did distribute these clothes.
1: Like the entire process, the entire process from of collection that. of clothes to yeah. the recipients of it, uh, when it's eventually distributed in
0: the- India. Uh, again a process being still going on. I think, again, overwhelming response to like, what you're doing is great. And you know, I think just hearing people saying that, like this idea is amazing, you know, uh, and just maybe even thanking us for, for doing something like this. I think it's just beautiful to see uh, people. People also ask, like, oh, how do you plan to do this? Uh, you know, how does it help? Oh, if you're having any other drives, so i like to volunteer. So I think it's just been a great experience to see people also appreciating what we do. No offense to those people. At the end of the day, for me, the real appreciation will come when the people who actually uh, the clothes I intended for do appreciate what we did. That, that's quite a powerful sentence I think, I think that's what like okay no offense to the people who are appreciating what we're doing here in singapore uh but yes for me it's always the target and the target is the people who are who we are aiming to donate uh the first aspect and the second aspect of course the environmental aspect but yes um once these people go to the close once you see the smiles um i doubt any of us would be able to go back to india this year because if i was going back i would have tried to join one of the uh, drives that uh, these warm group pools are being distributed to. So if I was able to go, I would love to go there see the smiles, you know, because I remember from that drive, just the smiles were, wow, they, they could not even just make a day, they could make a month or even a year or a lifetime. <laughs>
1: In fact, you just killed the hopes of myself and another teammate of ours, who still had hopes of going back to <laughs> India this year. <laughs> See,
0: I'm just trying to be realistic again. As a biomedical engineer, <laughs> I would advise everybody to not go to India, right? But if they can avoid it. Yes, the emotional aspect of you know staying away from your family is hard, and I I can I can really sympathize. Like, I know it's tough. Like, and if you can avoid it, you know maybe and of, uh, not just that. Like again, I think I think that's also an issue that we had mm. in this pandemic where uh, Singapore and a few other countries, we took it more from, you know, we have the circuit breaker. Mm. It's not necessary to meet people because, again, we have to try to kill down the virus. Mm. But a lot of things are not taken into account about the emotional Mm. well-being. Especially of these migrant workers who were constantly in, uh, who are in long periods of isolation. Mm. So, they, I think their emotional health, you know, we've not ever talked, we don't talk about emotional health in Asian countries in general. Uh, and I think the emotional health that uh, the emotional toll that must have taken on so many people is is unimaginable. I would say I mean, we won't figure out because COVID is still there, still yeah. well alive. But maybe not as much in Singapore, but it's there in almost every other part of the world. Another thing which
1: I was thinking about, like at that time, so you, when I had also gone for like a couple of hours on boat days. So any anybody who had any questions about what our process was, like okay, how are you doing? How are you doing that? They were genuinely intrigued when we told them and there's always this long-term vision that maybe someone else will also be encouraged to start their own thing and then Wombro can help spur the creation of more and more non-profits, not just for education, but in any other field as well and it's it's a foundation for any future initiatives as well.
0: Correct, so I think, I remember a lot of my friends, you know, I asked them, oh are you donated clothes? They're like, oh I already donated, sorry. and I. The first thing i told them was don't apologize what you did was great for me and i think for the team itself it was very simple that as long as you donated the clothes you know not throwing them away in the dustbin um, or let them go to waste let them rot as long as you've donated them that's it that's that's my that's our goal at the end of the day right like where we also want to educate people more than anything if, if we got zero clothes that day but it's because and only because of people just donating the clothes i would have been totally happy yeah like genuinely, because it's letting people understand that, you know, the people who need your clothes more and will throw their clothes, that's just such a waste of the environment in, in, in a very generic way, from its production to its eventually ending up in the landfill. So to let people know from both these aspects that, you know, throwing away clothes is probably one of the biggest sins you could do in life. Uh, personally, I believe in that. So I think just trying to spread that message across is, is important. and if. People follow that uh, with the help of Wormdrop or without, it doesn't matter to really. me.
1: And finally, what's the long term plans with Wormdrop? Where do you see this going in, say, the next six
0: months, one year? I think um, it's a bit of go with the flow. Uh, but we do have some plans. Like, I think one of our initial plans was to take even torn clothes and refurbish them into blankets. Correct. So,
1: so at the moment we weren't doing that. So at the moment we were only accepting clothes which would not require any refurbishing, would not require any sewing. It's just clean clothes which can be directly given to people. Correct. In the future. Uh, yeah.
0: So that was that's what we did uh, right now. Because again I think as much as we are very optimistic about this, we still need to have a bit of a, a realistic goals. And I think this is our realistic goal of donating clothes without doing any refurbishment you know, don't, uh, and just, you know, we don't have to do any further processing other than collecting, packaging and sending. Because okay, we don't know, firstly I think one of the biggest reasons why we had to hold one drive and not multiple planned at the same time was because we need, did an estimation. We had no idea. We had absolutely zero idea as to how many clothes we collect. Could it be 10 kgs? Could it be 100 kgs? I had no clue and I think so did nobody else in the team. Yeah. Correct? Uh, it is just going with a. Uh, trial and error kind of a thing. Let's see how it goes. And uh, I think we definitely got a lot more. Our soft target was 50 kgs, I would say. And I think-
1: uh, I'm pretty sure we've hit that. that. Using
0: basic calculations of number of pieces of clothes times average- average Weight of one t-shirt, 140 140 grams. Correct, and we've obviously collected blankets, we've collected um, jackets, we've got pillowcases. So I'm pretty sure that average is uh, conservative conservative
1: probably
0: uh, yeah Prob- there's also some items on the other end of the spectrum like socks but like the socks are like less than 10 or 20 i think i didn't check the final yeah. <laughs> properly yet uh, because the, uh, on the i believe socks are below 20. so yes i would say like that's like conservative figure we've had so yeah let's see for future drives we'll definitely collect um, we got a lot of pillowcases i think that was one of the interesting items we got we got over 80 pillowcases i think maybe over even 100 because if we got into batches so once you have collected uh, these pillowcases, now we'll I'll be talking to Robert and Amy. Will pillowcases be better? If not, we could t- take aside these pillowcases right now and maybe refurbish them into blankets. Either simply sew them up, or because they are pillowcases, you could simply just put maybe something like cotton or some sort of material inside. You know, I think that's one idea I had just the day before. I haven't really shared this with the team, so you're hearing yeah, yeah, this for the first yeah. time. Uh, but yes, if not simply sewing them up into a blanket would also be a idea we could do if of course the cases aren't of a big need there so yes that's one thing i like to contact I and mean, let's see how it goes from there yeah
1: in fact indeed let's see how it goes from there and i'm excited to see where warm probe heads i mean of course i'm speaking as if i'm not a part of the team. <laughs> like i'm excited to see how it goes but yeah let's 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 hope it all goes well and exciting stuff for the future
0: exciting stuff for the future indeed like i think i think it's a lot of optimism that we are carrying with us and hopefully a lot of hopes of people who have put hopes on us I hope we don't end up making one time thing but we have to also be realistic with our goals and if we feel the process is not uh, feasible enough there are a lot of other issues we we'll try to look at alternatives but if there isn't then you know this could be it also we have to be realistic about our, our targets um, but I really really hope that's not the case you know I Again, this
1: was something which was not shared with the rest of the team. Uh-huh.
0: No, I think, I think it's more about being realistic. There's yeah. some something, something you don't tell the team because you're trying to pull everybody's
1: hopes up. And to finish things off, so I have a would you rather round. Oh, no. Basically <laughs> just a set of five would you rather questions. So okay. would you rather do this or do that and I just want to hear your thoughts on them. Okay. So number one, would you rather do only non-profit work for the rest of your life and there's no revenue source as such, or never be able to do any non-profit work, ever.
0: So, we had a discussion with my friends, some of my high school friends. Okay, these are really deep. Like, one of the guys does um, CS, uh, Computer Science, with Philosophy in Oxford. One of the most bizarre combinations you'll ever hear. So, we're talking about effective altruism, and I'm not sure, I mentioned it once in this, in this podcast earlier. So, what effective altruism is basically trying to have the biggest benefit of for the world. So they were talking about how if you want to be a doctor uh, just to save people's life, that is honestly one of the least uh, effective ways to be saving lives because you could instead go into finance, earn a lot more money and donate that money for what they said as mosquito nets. Mm. Uh, because it was uh, the calculation, Maybe in the, I don't know what it's now, but a few years ago, it was... Uh you donate $250 worth of uh, mosquito nets uh to countries in Africa, you would save one life. Correct? So just think about it, when okay? you're spending $250, you could have effectively saved one life. So in that sense, I would actually do non-profit uh I would do what is the second option?
1: Fully profit work.
0: I would do fully profit work. And never be able to do it. But then that also But happens. if I'm allowed so to donate No, to no, money. that's not allowed. Philanthropy is not allowed. Damn it, that's that's not how it works. <laughs> That's a pretty tough question. You know, there has to be a balance. It's not like a one or zero. We're not in a world of just one and zeros where it's like either one, but damn, that's really, really tough. I'm a selfish person at the end of the day. I'm being very honest here. So I would would really choose for profit work. Fair enough. And in
1: fact, the point of effective altruism leads to the second question, which is, would you rather do non-profit work on a smaller scale in which you can be very actively involved like warm growth? Or would you do philanthropy on a larger scale? But I you're, think. of course, less. You just donate money and then someone else, somebody uses that money to do something good, but you're not actively involved in it yourself. Like, for example, the mosquito net example. You're not mm-hmm. buying it yourself. You're not giving it to the people yourself. You're just giving someone the money to do it.
0: Mm-hmm. I think that's, again, a very, very tough question. I don't know, what's this, bro? Like, <laughs> you can't be asking such questions or like, do you rather, sorry? <laughs> and you can't be like, either this or this. There has to be a balance. Now I'm gonna explain each and every question I say. And <laughs> like people are like, this guy is the most boring podcast we ever had on enough <laughs> See, again, it, it, it's very dependent on. You can't see like um, you have to, like, would you rather do something big but not be involved in it? Or something small, like, but be heavily involved in it. I think one one thing is firstly, who says when I'm doing something small? It can't go big. You know, something like Warm bro? what if it really catches on? What if some companies like, we love your idea. You know, we would like to push it forward with you. Um, you never know. We never know, correct? And if, if some small idea does become big, then why not? So for me, this again, warm pro brighter is obviously a small idea, but um, it's an idea which is very. I would say niche per se, but it is something that's not really thought about as deeply. Like whenever we talked about donating clothes, it's always been about giving it to someone who needs it. But you never ever talked about the environmental aspect at the same time. Yeah. So if I'm part of something small like this, with the capability of going big, I think I'll choose this. So thirdly, and
1: this is going into some light hearted questions now, for your own sake, which is would you rather always have winter? And I'm talking about minus five, maybe. With the next five. option, summer, I choose summer any day. No 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 or four seasons in a day. Okay. Because okay. summer all day is basically Singapore.
0: Yes. Yeah. I think I've always mentioned that if right I shift to another country, or Singapore, it has to be summerish. It cannot have like winters like the UK or like Europe in general, or even India for that matter, like northern north northern India. Indian winters, yes. It's not
1: <laughs> even anywhere close to the harshest on the scale. Yes, it's not on the harshest
0: of scale, but summer for like in like Delhi, is yeah. like in northern India, like win, uh, your houses aren't built. Yeah, in it's not. Yes, yeah,
1: Like there's no central heating. Yeah,
0: there's no central heating so, I think if you call 4 seasons, Melbourne is considered the city of 4 seasons. Yeah. Correct. I loved Melbourne when I went there for 2 days. So, I would choose Melbourne because that's not full winter. <laughs> or like, like 4 winters, uh, four, four uh, seasons in a day. Yeah. I to choose that in a day.
1: Penultimate question. Would you rather only wear sneakers everywhere you go or only wear slippers everywhere you go?
0: Sneakers because I have messed up my knees. So, if I wear slippers for too long, my knees will be injured uh, again, like that, they, they relapse because, uh, because I wore slippers for too long one day, like I walked around too much, so, yes, sneakers simply because of my knees. I think like, that's the
1: quickest response.
0: I mean, it's, a, the knees, I it's, it's more about like, I don't have a choice. Yeah.
1: <laughs> as, as you're sitting in slippers right now.
0: I mean, it's a what, uh, two minute walk from my yeah. right office.
1: Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> and final question. So as a director, as a project manager in general, would you rather have a team that's 10 times smaller than required or a team 10 times larger than required? Sure, that,
0: that, that's a good question. Oh. <laughs> that, that's really tough. Um, see, if your insights novel... from your
1: Coursera course on yeah, project management. Project
0: management <laughs> Coursera course. Five five courses, by the way, guys. So the special, special, special My bad. My bad. <laughs> uh, Yes um see if you normal semester time I would rather have 10 times bigger because right now I think Erna really took quite a bit uh, quite a big bulk because he's on internship um, the rest of us are on uh, on academic semesters
1: to, to clarify internship being work from home like usually internship <laughs> you would not associate with free time of any sort but okay. work from home really, like if it eliminates like three four hours of travel every day then there's a lot more time for me to work with us
0: and not just that I think like after 6 pm it's your time yeah that, that's Correct. right. For for academic semester after six pm, yes. What next? <laughs> <laughs> so, so yes. I think I really took the bulk of it, especially uh, the um, designing and publicity and the Instagram page. So yes, if it's a normal academic semester, for sure I would choose the uh, ten times bigger, because I think even now I felt like maybe if we had one two people more, we could have spread the work for better, especially for you. Uh, but if it's a normal you know chill time holidays, then I would choose ten times lesser. Provided the 10 times lesser are people who are really, you know, up to that standard. So finally, thank you so much for taking
1: the time out and coming out for the podcast. If
0: I'm invited again, Formula One is the next topic we
1: me. Definitely.
0: <laughs> yes, that's the next topic. Then. If there if, if, is a the next time. Definitely, mm-hmm. definitely.
1: So that concludes episode 8 of Quarantine. Thank you for listening. And if you haven't already, be sure to check out our Instagram page at Quarantine65, that's at Q-U-A-R-A-N-T-I-M-E-65. Also, be sure to check out the page for Warmdrobe as well, at the rate, warm.robe, that's at W-A-R-M dot D-R-O-B-E. That's the page where all the activity related to Row will be shared on including our collection drives in the entire process of the clothes donation initiative. Be sure to give both pages a follow for more updates in the future. Thank you for listening and hope you enjoyed.